This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, this is part three in a series with Chris Fontanella, his book, Against the Grain, Counterintuitive Ideas on Business and Life. If you missed the first two parts, go back and catch the podcast. But join me now as we talk more with Chris Fontanella. The book is Against the Grain, Counterintuitive Ideas on Business and Life. The author is Chris Fontanella. Um, just some great, not just business and sales lessons, but life lessons and life thoughts. Wrong moves are not final moves. Just there's a lot of wisdom in this and uh, a lot of encouragement. So I want to encourage you to pick up uh, pick up your copy, Against the Grain, Counterintuitive Ideas on Business and Life. I do have a few more questions, and I want to wrap up just with what happened. I mean, if you don't mind telling us kind of what happens next and where you are now, and then I'm going to go back to a few of those questions about finishing sure. up seminary and stuff. So, Yeah, so um... – you know, after our return to Accretive, we ended up being there for a while. Um, Sandra, not as long as, as me. Uh, yeah, okay, wait, wait, wait. I do have a question about that again. I mean, I'm I'm not in the business world, but you and Sandra are like partners, and then uh, they basically consolidate the Orange County and Los Angeles offices. Is that what happened? That's correct, yeah. yeah. And so I just don't understand, like, help me understand, like, when that happens, like, as you you guys have been partners and co-owners and everything before, like, I just don't understand, you know, how it's supposed to work or whatever. It's just like, is Sandra like, oh, well, that happened and I'm just moving on? Is she like, hey, Chris, let's go do our own thing again or, or what? I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, at this point, I mean – we're no longer, um, I mean, we, we called each other partner just because, oh, okay. you know, we, we, we loved that we had started our business together and, you know, we were, were partners in business. But after we had sold our business to a creative, then for all intents and purposes, we were just functioning, um, we were just employees of the company functioning under an employment contract. Oh, okay. So she had her own employment contract. I had my own employment contract. And so at that time, like, you know, we came back to the business literally um, at the tail end of the Great Recession when when corporations were still struggling somewhat. And there was still a lot of residue from the Great Recession, which is, you know, that time period when, you know, people were losing their houses and right. businesses were letting tons of people go. And it was just a hard time for, for a lot of people and for the country and actually for the world and stuff. And it just took us longer than we thought to sort of get the business back on track and yeah. um, reach certain levels of profitability that we envisioned and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so management at the time just sort of made a decision to consolidate the two offices. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough that they sort of folded Orange County into Los Angeles. But I, I don't think Sandra was upset about it because, you know, I think, our, our industry can be tough on you the longer you're in it. Like, it, it wears on you. And yeah. think maybe you just felt like, hey, well, maybe this is an opportunity for me to explore a new chapter in my life. And yeah. that's when she went on to, to be the CFO of, of the United Way, which ended up being a great thing for her. Oh, and, um, but, um, yeah, so that just kind of happened. And it wasn't the favorite moment of my, my career because I – you know, it was always great to work with Sandra to sort of commiserate when things weren't going yeah. well and to celebrate when things were going great. 
And, um, you know, we just had sort of a symbiotic relationship where we, you know, we knew how, we knew how to work with each other and it was, there was just an ease and stuff to that. And after she left, it just put me in a scenario where I was sort of yeah. functioning on my own and, you know, one man's shoulders can only bear so much. And it was, it was just, it was a little challenging to, to, for everything to fall on me. For sure. Yeah. I can't really imagine. All right. About what time frame that is? Cause I know we're going to get to 2017, November. What time frame is that when Sandra, maybe, I mean, ballpark it when she leaves or is, um, that's probably ish, um, 20, 2010, 2011. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. My time frame I just have off. Okay. So then you continue to do your thing, continue to build, continue just to have success. And then uh, can you tell us a little bit about 2017 November and just some of the things you learned from that? Yeah, sure. I, actually, I've been thinking about it now. It's probably 2012 because we came okay. back in 2010 and then she was there about two years. Okay. 2012. And then I stayed I stayed on um, uh, working hard to try to rebuild the business. Yeah. Um, Really, you know, I had to kind of raise my hand with management to say, uh, I've just got too much oh, on my plate. Yeah. I was functioning as a market leader. I was doing business development. I was doing recruitment. I was responsible for the P&L. I had to be part of market leader meeting. So I, I just, it mm. was just too much. And I raised my hand to the to management and said, you know, what can we do here? And because mm. um, this is just too much for one person. And they're like, you're right. Let's you know, what do you not want to do? And I said, honestly, I don't, I don't want to be the market leader. Mm. I just want to be a sales guy. I want to go run the streets and knock on doors and yeah. talk to clients and find jobs for people. And so we hired a, a great guy by the name of Gavin Block, who mm. I'm, I'm friends to this day and enjoy um, his camaraderie with him and, and um, you know, just talking about the business and all this, all that kind of stuff. But um, he came on board, and then he and I put a plan in place to, to you know, to get the Los Angeles uh, market back to where it was. And we, we did that. We hired, you know, we hired a few more people to help us build it out. Yeah. And we were starting to really catch our stride. And then one day, all of a sudden there was a all staff announcement about the company being sold to another Mm. uh, national slash international consulting firm. Um, And that just happened to be, (laughs) The Crazy. company that I started, basically started my career in, in consulting with, a company called Resources Global Professionals. Yeah. Um, and I have, had already had some history with them. And so, you know, as it turns out, I was not going to be included in the acquisition, <laughs> which, I, you know, I, I could laugh about it because, uh, you know, um, it's it's funny to me because... Yeah. Um, I, I had nothing but great experience while working for them, but there was just, you know, my leaving initially to start my own business with Sandra did not sit well with them. And, you know, here we are 14 years later and that is still sort of rubbing them the wrong way. And so they, you know, they made a point to not yeah. include me in the acquisition. So kind of meant that I'd be all on my own again, trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah. 14 years later, man, they couldn't still let yeah. it let go. Yeah. Yeah, for me it was interesting, right? Because like you know, now I'm I'm a business development guy for the company, and yeah. I'm I'm generating probably three point seven million in revenue a year. That's crazy, um, to me. Which, which is a lot of money, you know. Yeah, it's a lot of dang money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there 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 were other salespeople at the company that did better than that, um, but I was definitely in the top five 
producers at the company. And to me, it's just, you know, it's silly that they didn't want to have, at least have a conversation with me. Right. Like, right. To me, like if you're a true business person, right. And you, you, you sort of look at things objectively and you go, okay, the guy, look, the guy's generating 3.7 million in revenue. We really don't want to have a conversation with him to see if we can let bygones be bygones and sort right. of move on. And, you know, is there a way we can have a meeting of the mind sort of thing? And it, there was none of that. It was yeah. just, tell him he's not welcome here anymore and tell him to pack his bags and go. Yeah. And I just, to me, that doesn't make good business sense, but be that as it may. Yeah. And um, I would not have accepted a position at the company anyway, because, um, I sort of do the business differently and function differently Gotcha. and have my own sort of model by which I like to, you know, to do the business. Um, I just saw it as another opportunity to walk through it, a, a door that, you know, let me start my second business. And so I, I formed a company called Encore Professionals Group. Love the name. Doing the same thing that I've done over the last 30 years is finding jobs for people on a temporary basis or on a permanent basis and placing them within organizations within Southern California. And I'm, I'm glad I made that move. I'm glad I started my own shop and, you know, it's ended up being another, another success. And I'm, and it it really, it's, I just owe a ton of people a bunch of credit because Mm. my clients are still choosing to work with me. Certain candidates I've known for a number of years are still working with me and Mm. I, I wouldn't have anything if, if I didn't have those folks in my corner. Yeah. Wow. So Encore's, I mean, COVID notwithstanding is going pretty well, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, first year before COVID, like 2018 was a great year. 2019 was a great year. Then, then COVID hit and that kind of, that kind of whacked the business a little bit, which, <laughs> yeah. which was fine. I, yeah. you know, I was able to keep afloat and stay, keep my head above water Yeah, and you know, things are picking up again. And, and anybody in my business knows it's very cyclical. There are high times and low times and different ma- macroeconomic conditions that will affect the business one way or another. Yeah. And you just got to learn how to sort of roll with it and hang in there when, when you're on a down cycle and then, you know, ride the wave when you're on an up cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So what does your dad call it? The 80, I forget. I know it's 80, 10 and 10, but what is he, how's it called? Yeah. That is always just said like, like life in general is like you got 10% highs, 10% lows, and then 80% is just sort of your normal run of the mill. Yeah. Oh, um, daily sort of whatnot. And I just found that to be true, right? I mean, yeah. like most of the time you go through life and, you you know, nothing too exciting is happening and nothing really bad is happening. Yeah. And, and there are times when, like, great stuff is happening. And then there are times when some really crappy stuff is happening. <laughs> right. If you boil them down, it's kind of like 10%, 10%, and 80%. Right. Right. That's good stuff right there. All right. I've got a question, um, and then we'll talk about seminary and talk about your wife, Stacy. Um, I know that's a part of the book too with Stacy and, you know, the best decision you ever made and things like that. But I have a question down and you're going to even have to remind me of the context, but I, I don't remember how it worked out with the company that you basically were waiting until the stock options, whatever vested or whatever the right business word is. Sorry. Um, so I, I might've missed it, but did you wind up like winning that option or what, what's the right even language? Help me out. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, so that so that was a company I was just uh, referencing. Uh, Resources Global Professionals okay. Okay. they are the ones that ultimately ended up buying Accretive. But okay. I had worked for them for five years. Um, I was I can't remember, but I was probably like the sixth or seventh employee in the Los Angeles office. Mm. 
And this is when they were initially still connected and um, a subsidiary of Deloitte and Touche, which is you know big four accounting firm. Yeah. And after a couple of years, some stuff happened with um, some of your listeners may remember what happened with Enron and WorldCom, and there was just some you know cooking of the books and and unethical behavior around accounting and finance at the time, and it was sort of a devastating thing. And so a lot of the big four accounting firms were put under the spotlight. Mm. And under the microscope to see if they were, you know, being ethical in their practices. And because of that, although nothing unethical was going on with RGP, um, they just decided it would be good to sort of spin out of Deloitte to be its own company. And then not only that, the, the executive management team just thought, well, this is a great opportunity to just take the company public, which you know allows anybody to invest in the company. Mm. And I, you know, I was, I was part of that process. And you know, when you're Working at a company like that, they offer you founder shares, and um, you know that you can buy for a very you know small amount of money. And yeah. so, whatever was allotted to me, I scooped up because I believed in the company, I believed in what we were doing, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I saw it growing, and I thought it would continue to grow. And sure enough, that's what happened. But those, those that stock that I got was put on what's called a vesting schedule, where like. Mm. Mine was on a five-year vesting schedule, so that meant every year I was with the company, 20% vested, which means at that point I basically can own it and sell it. Okay. And so I literally got to the point where literally on the day I fully vested for five years is the day I resigned. Mm. And that, you know, that may be why they're, they're, they were a little upset. I'm sure that is part of their thinking um, that, you know, maybe – professional courtesy warranted a little waiting a little longer. I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were other factors that came into play in my mind. So I, once I fully vested, I decided to leave and that's when Sandra and I basically started our business. Okay. All right. So your stock options, like at one point the, the company is like, it seems to be sending legal counsel or whatever to try to figure out if you're going to be able to cash in. Is that kind of the the Steve yeah, way to understand it, it. Like, and did you, know, you they, did you get to cash in? They, That's what I want. Whether or not I was entitled because uh, yeah. of the way I left, like so okay. abruptly, you know. I mean, I did go into my manager's office and hand in a resignation notice, but that kind of quickly escalated to the we need to check with legal counsel on stuff to make sure you know about this, that, and the other thing, and and. You know, that's anytime you deal with legal, it's kind of stressful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a you know a little stressful time for me. But at the end of the day, I mean, I have a right to leave an organization, and I right. you know, and I went in and handed my resignation notice, which you know is common practice. And, right. You know, I'm I'm sorry you're upset, but like it was just it was the end of a chapter for me, and I wanted to start a new chapter. Right. And so you you got your money. Yeah, and I ended up being okay. entitled to the money and and okay. all that. Okay. Which you know, I ended up selling some of that stock, and that's what funded my business. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, all right. I might. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you got your money. That's awesome. All <laughs> right, talk uh, talk to me a little bit about Stacy and her role in helping you finish uh, finish up at Fuller. Yeah, well, I I can't say enough about my wife and how tremendous of an individual she is. Yeah. Um, Yes, on a personal level, yeah. you know, given birth at a really young age to her daughter, um, which was part actually part of what attracted me because after my divorce, you know, I was 
I had my daughter, and when I met Stacy, our daughters were basically the same age. Oh, okay. Uh, it took a lot of character for for her to, you know, to raise her kid in the way she did. You know, being a single mom and yeah. all this kind of stuff. There's just so many amazing aspects to that part of her life, which just instilled and infused a ton of like really deep character in her, mm. make her the amazing person she is. But um, the other thing is like when I left RGP um, and was getting ready to start my business with Sandra, I, I mean, I basically had no income at that point. I, we literally got married and went on our honeymoon and I came back and started my wow. business with Sandra. Wow. And our plan was to not pay each other for six months because we wanted the business to get off the ground. We had to invest money in the business. And so, you know, Stacy took is looking at me going, okay, well, I trust you. Like you're saying, you don't have an income for six months, but I'm sure you'll make it work. <laughs> wow. And so, you know, she had a lot of faith in me yeah. and, um, and ended up actually working out nicely. But there were many nights I'd come home from mm. doing all my business development meetings, and I lost a deal to my former employer or some other competitor in the marketplace. And uh, But slowly, Sandra and I just chipped away and, you know, got things to where they needed to be. Mm. And then, um, you know, when I had my 18 months off because of the CEO asking Sandra and I to, to leave the company, you know, I was just looking around and going, I, I got to fill up this space with something. And in some of my quiet moments, just started thinking about my time at Fuller and how I didn't, I never finished. I never, you know, completed the coursework to get my degree. So I took a day and I went to the admissions office and inquired about what I needed to do to take the few classes I thought I needed to take so I can get my master's. And, and I didn't know, but there's a statute of limitations on getting your degree. Uh, and I had far exceeded that. Okay. Because um, here I was like probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years later. Yeah. Probably 20 years later. Um, but they said, you know, you could petition the regents and see if they'll make an exception to the rule. So I started that process, but there were, there were some requirements that didn't sit well with me because one was you needed sort of a, uh, a, re- a reference from a pastor from a church that you were attending. Well, uh, yeah. in all honesty, at the time, I, w- I wasn't attending church. Right. Um, hadn't gone back to church since, since my divorce. Wow. Um, wow. And then the other thing, you know, it's just a couple things like that. So, I, I mean, I filled out the paperwork as best as I could and got to a point where I'm like, it was like half complete because I didn't have a pastoral reference. I didn't want to lie and say I was going to church and, you know, I had no way of proving that. And, like, you know, so I just right. I wasn't going to go down the road. And I just basically told my wife, like, I guess it's just not meant to be. And then one night when I was out doing uh, doing work, Somebody from the admissions office called and said, "You know, Chris hasn't submitted his, you know, his application wow. for readmission." And so then my wife just decided to tell the lady the whole story about <laughs> after my divorce, this happened and that yeah. happened, and like all this kind of stuff. So like she just kind of gave the lady my story. Yeah. And the lady just said, "You should just tell him to submit what he has." Um, I was able to get a pastoral reference because our our good buddy Mike Clawson. Um, reconnected with me around that time, and yeah. he's like, "Well, Chris, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to put in there that you're going to my church, but I could at least write a note to the admissions office about who you are and what I know about you." Right. So he did that. So I, I kind of checked that box, but I was still missing a couple other little things. But the lady said to just submit what I had, so I I did that, and then 
within probably three weeks, I got a letter from the Regents of Fuller Seminary saying, you can come back and finish. I, I only needed one class. I literally wow. needed one class to complete my master's. And yeah. um, wow. if it w- weren't for Stacy, yeah. sort of prodding me to go to the admissions office and having that call with the, admission, the lady from the admissions office and just telling me to just keep, trying to get in there and make it happen, um, I probably would have just given up because I didn't want to jump through the hoops that I thought I had to jump through to make it happen. Right. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. That's wild. It is crazy. I yeah. mean, the fact that Mike Clawson just kind of called me out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it had been 10 years since I've talked to this guy, and yeah. out of nowhere he calls right when I'm dealing with that stuff. Yeah. And then that might, uh, you know, he was moving his kid um, into a college near my house, yeah. And he came over for dinner one night, and he's just sitting at my dinner table, and he said, well, Chris, I'm a pastor. I, <laughs> I, I serve as a pastoral reference for you. And I'm like, what? Like, it was just amazing. Yeah. Like, all these little things were coming. The fact that, like, I wasn't at the house when that lady from admissions called, and my wife picked up the phone, because I, I wouldn't have gone into the story about, right. you know, what happened. Like, but Stacy, she's good at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How did it feel yeah. to finish your your masters? It was awesome. Yeah, it was. It, I had so much fun going back. Yeah, and taking that class. And then the irony was, I didn't even have to take a really complicated class. All I needed was like New Testament one hundred and one. It was like the most basic theology class you could take. Mm. Um, but I I enjoyed the interaction in the class. I enjoyed the discussions around certain passages. We were you know, yeah. uh, dicing and, and trying to interpret and all that kind of stuff. It, it really, I really loved it. I mean, you could probably, you can't see it here, but I have a picture from my graduation day and I got a big smile on my face. So like, and that's kind of how I felt when I was in the class. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. What was it about being in that class? I mean, I know your mind, uh, you got a theological mind. You love wrestling with those things. And what was it to you though? I think what it was, was, you know, I hadn't really been emerged in that sort of environment in a long time. Yeah. And I lived a lot of, I've, I had had a lot of different life experiences um, from the time I was originally at Fuller and, and pastoring a church to now um, this businessman and experienced different aspects of life. And I had gone through different things and a divorce and other stuff. Sure. I, you know, the, as you guys know, like the Word of God is always alive. And yeah. you, I think at different times in your life, one passage can actually speak to you in different ways at different times. Sure. And now I'm back in this environment, and I'm reading certain passages, mm. and they are taking on a whole new significance. Mm. And I'm hearing different meaning than maybe I had heard 20, 25 years before. Yeah. And I just found that intriguing that that sort of you know the scriptures can sort of speak of volumes and in that manner. Yeah. Um no matter what point in time you find yourself in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Is there is there a scripture or story from the Bible lately that has spoken to you or that just comes to your mind? Like is there one that just pops into your mind? Um, yeah, no. There's there's a very specific one from when I was in the in the yeah. taking that class at Fuller, um, and I, I 
all I know it's in the book of James, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's basically like a admonishment to employers or people who had people working for them. Mm-hmm. And James was sort of encouraging to, uh, those people to make sure that they treat their employees properly mm. and um, pay them their, their due and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You, you might know the, the passage I'm referencing better than me right now. But no, you're good. Now, I'm, I'm in that business. I mean, I, yeah. I'm employing people, and yeah. I have people working for me. I, I send them to other companies to do jobs, but they're in my employ. And I'm hearing that like, like I had never heard it before because yeah, or reading that verse that in that class, I never had anybody working for me. I mean, right. I would, I would, I was the guy working for others, but now I'm in a situation where I'm employing others, and so it, it took on new significance for me. Yeah, wow, that's really cool. All right, tell yeah. me, tell me in the last couple of minutes we have. Um, just tell me, since then, have you ventured your way back into church, or is the next church going to be the one that you're pastoring is when you go back to church? What's that been like? Uh, well, I mean, over the years, like over the last few years, yeah. um, because my, my daughter, Alexandra, um, has attended um, school at, in the Catholic school system, okay. I you know, sort of ha- have attended Mass at different times and have been part of different events yeah. um, at at because it's affiliated with Alex's schools. Um, so I, I've done that, but I have not ventured into the, you know, the non-denominational style church or, you know, your more Protestant-oriented yeah. congregation. So I, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going to end up with all that kind of stuff, to be honest. I mean, I, right. I do, I will pull out the scriptures and read the scriptures, uh, and in my own way I have my devotionals and stuff like that, but um, I, I, I'm just some things to work through on the church front. Sure, yeah, sure. What does your uh, devotional time look like? You make it sound like it's maybe different than mine, or so I, I'm just curious. What does that look like for you when you pull out the scriptures? I just, I just listen. So, like, oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, one right now to vocalize prayer. Um, I haven't really. I'll, I'll do that on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's when we have family events for Thanksgiving or Christmas and we're, we're, uh, saying a blessing over the meal. Um, you know, yeah, I, I get my opportunity to, to be the guy that's saying the blessing that day. Yeah. Um, but that's, a, that's about it for me right now. I, you know, I'm, I'm still working through Yeah. and I, I just, it's so nice to know that there are just so many flawed people in the scriptures because it makes me feel better about myself. You and me both, man. <laughs> All of us, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. truly just one of the things I appreciate about about scriptures is all the all the stuff that I mean, all the garbage, all the all the mistakes, all the things, and then you get to Jesus, and then it's it's consistent. That's what I love is that if they had like uh, stonewashed, cleaned up David's life, or you know, just cleaned up Moses' life, or cleaned up Job's life, or Jonah's life, or uh, Mary Magdalene, or all those lives, um, instead of just letting it be raw, authentic, real, and Simon Peter, of course, um, and the whole lot, and then you get to right. Jesus, and then it's like, well, you know, this this Bible's one thing; it's consistent about revealing truth. And then you get to Jesus and just 
there's no garbage. There's no there's no faults. There's no flaws. There's plenty of opposition. There's plenty of conflicts, but none of that. And that's just one thing I truly appreciate about God's Word, the Bible, is how yep. how that's true from front page to back. And and then I then I admire that instead of Jesus chastising us like you know what's wrong with you guys why aren't you loving the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength then we just have this high priest who's able to sympathize with us and our weaknesses I mean which is crazy to me because the model is the other side of it is like well he didn't do anything wrong um, he should be you know condemning us or whatever and I just love that instead it's that you know, that picture of our savior, which is really cool. So, well, man, I, um, I can't wait to see what God does next. And I'm glad you're listening, uh, you know, when in your prayer or your reading time or whatever, that you're listening, that's something in the last couple of years, I've just really been blessed to, um, learn more and more how to just listen, you know, to the Holy spirit and listen to that voice as you call it. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's just, it's always exciting. Yeah. Did you say yeah, something? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the key. I mean, oh, the key. hearing the voice. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I owe everything that that has come my way in, in form of blessing and the successes I've had or whatever is directly correlated to that. Yeah. What's the voice saying now? That's the big question. Or what's the voice going to say next to the font man? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm eager to hear. You what? I can't wait. I don't know yet. I, I just can't wait, though. I am eager to hear what what is said. Yeah. When? How? How do you hear that? That voice? Like for you? Is it just one day you're going to be sitting there and it just strikes you? Or I mean, my my history with that has yeah. been it, it just it kind of comes in a variety of ways. I mean, I I could hear things through a song. I could hear yeah. something through something I'm reading. Mm-hmm. I could be going on a walk one day, and and I'm just struck by a thought or an idea. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any one particular manner in which it it, it comes to us. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, we're all individuals, and we're all different. And so, the way that may come to us, and the way God speaks to you or me, is just it could be different. So right. He doesn't change, but maybe the manner in which He communicates to you know. His, his people is, is different because, you know, he knows them and he knows how they can hear. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I've just never been locked in any one way, and it's just, for me, it's a more a matter of being vigilant to to hear so that when the the, the sounds are spoken, then I'm, I'm in a posture of readiness to hear it. That's good. Good stuff. All right. Chris Fontanella, the book is Against the Grain, Counterintuitive Ideas on Business and Life. Be sure to get your copy. The new copy should be available now. You can get it on Amazon. It's a great book. The stories that we just kind of touched on today, there's more just drama and in the best way, just because there's lessons to be learned and perspectives uh, that Chris brings to um, his own stories and his own experiences are just really going to encourage and help you. So uh, Chris Fontanella, man, thank you so much. Stay on the line for a second while we sign off of our 25 minute segment here um, that we've turned into part two and part three, which Mark was pushing for when we hit that 40 minute mark. He's like, look, we got, we got two more shows out of this. How about that? All right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so thankful to to you for, 
having me on and to your, your listeners for uh, dialing in and, and, you know, spending a little time with us. Yeah, I'm really absolutely. I'm really excited to see what is you know what is next and what there's just so much more to this story coming with whatever that looks like. I mean, I'm not putting anything on it. Just whatever God comes up with for you and leads you is going to be really good. So I'm excited to hear about it. All right, awesome. uh, I want to remind our listeners just man some of some of what Chris has been writing again has inspired me and encouraged me just to re- remember you know uh, that voice that voice that leads that voice that guides and what we've learned in the last couple of years that voice is is kind of always going it's just that I'm I'm separating myself from that voice. It's always going. He's always ready to speak to me. I just have to dial in and just sort of tune in and say, okay, God, you know, what do you want to say to my heart? Is there something you want to say? And it might be very simple, just you are loved. Or um, it might be something very personal just for you. And sometimes, you know, we learn from uh, Casey Harris, our good friend. We just listen. We stop and say, am I a child of God? And we listen for that yes. So you can even do that as you're listening to the podcast or watching the video. Just are you a child of God? Listen for that yes. In that same spot you hear that yes, you're also going to hear a no in a minute when I ask you, is Jesus ever going to abandon you? Just listen for that no. Sometimes it takes a few seconds. Sometimes it takes a few tries. But you listen for that yes, I am a child of God. No, Jesus will never abandon me. And then sometimes the way we walk people through it is just to say this. Okay, Jesus, clearly you want to say something. You already said two big things. That was the Holy Spirit in you witnessing with you saying, yes, you are a child of God. No, Jesus will never abandon you. That is more than enough to get me to the next day. Knowing that you're a child of God should be more than enough, but Jesus is so much bigger. God is so much bigger, so much more compassionate, so much more merciful that he wants to say something else to you. And so we just give Jesus the opportunity to say, Jesus, you probably want to say something else to the person that's listening. So Jesus, you just fill in the blank. And we're just going to hear in that same spot where we heard that yes and where we heard that no, Jesus, you just finish it. So say to that person who's watching or listening, you are, and then just listen. In that space, just listen and see what he says to you. You are. And your first instinct is to think, oh, that's just me. No, it's not. It's the voice of God. It's the Holy Spirit just bringing you some encouragement and hope. You're always on his heart, always on his mind. He always loves you, and he wants to speak to you. So that's the boldness that we're learning because the Apostle Paul was so dependent upon God's grace and God's power And that power can look different, remember, because Paul said, man, in my weakness, God's power is made perfect. In my weakness, when I am discouraged, when I am weak in this area, God is strong in me. That's what Paul said. So when he's talking about a hope, he's not talking about a big mansion on a hill. He's not talking about the the next thing. He's talking about God is with me. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. I can do all things. Oh, I can win the Emmy. Oh, I can win in the NBA championship. No, he's talking about this day, this life. Jesus is with me. Jesus is for me. I'm going to be shipwrecked. I'm going to be beaten by rods. I'm going to go through all those things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so can you. So when Paul is talking about the unfading glory of God, he's talking about a real hope that goes through the garbage, goes through that 10% hard, that 10% great, that 80% normal. God is with you and he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. 
That's the hope that we have. That's what Paul wrote about. You can write me. You want to hear more about Chris Fonella? You want to hire him to be your pastor? Reach out to me. I'll get a hold of him. I'll start my own consulting firm for for career matching. I will get you uh, in touch with Chris Fontanella, and he can pastor your church or, or do whatever God calls him to do. But you can email me, steve at verybold.com. And again, the book is Against the Grain, Counterintuitive Ideas on Business and Life. The book that Paul was writing was a letter to the church at Corinthians. Man, they are a bunch of messed up people, bunch of messed up people. But Paul wrote this, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. 